You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. I'm JT. I've been a student here at The Journey for a couple years now, and I was super excited and honored when Brandon asked me to preach the first sermon in this series. Um, So when he asked me, I did what seemed most logical to do in order to fill in for his shoes, and I put on my skinniest jeans, and I started digging into some scripture. Um, And so one thing that really came to mind as, as I was thinking about Brandon asking me to preach tonight and thinking about uh, what to talk about is, so you could say that Brandon and I are on the same team. We both really care a lot about the journey, about y'all, and about making sure that y'all get an opportunity every week to dig into God's word, to worship him, and to experience godly community. And there's also a lot of other really awesome people on that team. You have uh, Zach and Julia who work here full time for the Next Gen Ministry. You have the interns, Deb, Becca, and Jonathan, um, who do so much every week for Tuesday Night Gathering and so many of our other events. Um, you have all of your amazing Connect Group hosts who care so much about y'all. Um, and yeah, you could say we're all on the same team for serving God's ministry to y'all. And taking that a step further, you could say that all of us here in the journey are also on the same team. We're on the same team for uh, just worshiping God and loving God and being a part of his kingdom and having fellowship with each other. And yeah, so just in thinking about teams, that's kind of what I want to dig into a little more tonight. And so I want to ask y'all, in thinking about teams, I want you to imagine a situation. Imagine that you have been given the biggest task of your life, like the most crazy challenge you have ever been given in your life. And you have to figure out a way how to accomplish this, and you have to do it. And so you have to put together a team to be able to accomplish this task. And I want you to think, who are you going to put on that team? What kind of people? Well, you're probably thinking, depends on the task. So... For example, if you want to, you know, if you're putting together a basketball team, you're going to want to put together people who can run fast, make a shot from anywhere on the court, are pretty tall, that kind of stuff. Um, So clearly me. Uh, If you are doing a project for school or something related to school, you are probably going to want to put people on your team who are really smart, who are hardworking, who are really well organized, who you can count on in that sense. Um, you can honestly even think about your friends as your team, because they are. Those are the people that you're doing life with, and those are the people that you want to, as we learned from a sermon previously this semester, uh, those are the people that you think are some of the best people around you and that you want to grow to become more like and that you want to push you to be better. Um, So all this to say, I think it's pretty safe to say that no matter what team we want to put together, We want the best people on our team. We want the people who do what they do the best, and what they do adds the most to our team. You know, you don't want someone who 
is, has never played football a day in their lives and knows nothing about it to come join your football team, or you don't want someone who has never taken a biology class to help you finish your biology project. You don't want someone who's been a total jerk to every single person on the planet that they've ever met to be your best friend. It makes sense. We want the best of the best on our team. But so now, thinking about that, I want us to take that logic and try to apply it to Jesus. Because I think it's safe to say that Jesus was given the ultimate task. Like, yeah, we may be really stressed out about school, work, we may have some big things to do, but it does not compare to what Jesus had to do for each and every one of us. So you have to think if, you know, with Jesus' task, he has a pretty important team that he has to put together. He has to pick the exact right people. And even now that carries over Today, long after Jesus died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven, you know, now we still, Jesus is looking for people to be on his team, to serve his kingdom, and carry out the Great Commission, and just spread his gospel. So my question to you tonight is this. Who does Jesus want on his team? Well, the answer to that, we're going to find in Matthew tonight. And so if you all want to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 13. So while you all do that, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we'll dive right in. Hey God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity for all of us to come together and to dig into your word and find out more about who you are. And Lord, tonight just take away all of my words and just let the Holy Spirit speak through me and let people hear and learn from your word what it is that they need to hear and learn. And help us to understand this passage and just let your word speak to us, Lord. We are so thankful for it and we're so thankful for you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. It's so Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. All right. I want us to pause there for a second, because I think it is really easy for us to just glaze over you know, that Matthew was a tax collector. You know, I think we all hear the little song about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, being a wee man and all that, and it's fun and sing-songy. And it's easy for us to think like, oh, yeah, tax collectors were people that wanted money, took money, and people didn't like that they took their money. But there's a lot more to it. And I think if that's all a tax collector was, it wouldn't be specified in here that that's what Matthew did. But it was. And the reason for that is because tax collectors were pretty awful. Uh, Matt Chandler put it really well in a sermon that he was giving on the crucifixion. And I'm going to go ahead and quote him because he said it a lot better than I could. Um, he said, tax collectors weren't just make, taking more money than they were supposed to. They had bought the right from Rome to raise money 
to support an occupying force responsible for the murder and rape of hundreds of thousands of people. Who thinks being a tax collector sounds really fun? Deb, stop. <laughs> but yeah, so tax collectors at that time were some of the most hated people. They were considered some of the worst people in the area at the time, like on the planet. So that is what's so significant about Jesus saying to Matthew, hey, follow me. It gets even better though. Let's look at verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So now, not only did Jesus tell one tax collector like, hey, come on, follow me. He's now like sitting at a table with a bunch of them, just like eating dinner, hanging out, having a good time. And it's a bunch of tax collectors and just sinners as a whole. So like basically Jesus is spending his time with some of the, what is considered to be worst people in society. And now Jesus being both fully man and fully God, Jesus could have spent his time with whoever he wanted to. I mean, Jesus could have been up there partying with the richest of the rich, the politicians, the emperors, the kings, all of that. He's eating dinner with tax collectors and sinners, though. And we see then in verse 11 that when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And so now, while a lot of the time reading the New Testament, it's very easy, and I'm on board with being like, hey, the Pharisees are wrong. Honestly, if I was in their shoes at that time, I would be asking the same question. What is the Son of God who has come here and is supposed to be the King of Kings, what is he doing eating with tax collectors and sinners, literally the worst people in society? And Especially at that time, you look at what eating with people meant, and it has so much more significance than it does now. I mean, now it's like, oh yeah, I'll grab a quick bite with you in between classes or whatever. But back then, eating together, it was a sign of celebration and rejoicing and fellowship, and it was seen as an opportunity for special important conversations. And so while the Pharisees were very legalistic, and them seeing this were like, this is wrong, this is sinful, all of that. I don't blame them for asking this question. But then what's even more amazing is Jesus' response. Starting in verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So in that passage, when he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, he's quoting Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, where Hosea is basically saying that God doesn't care about all of your meaningless acts and sacrifices and all of that. We're not going to get into animal sacrifice. That's a whole other mess. But what he cares about is just genuine acts love and mercy and grace. 
And so now reading that, I ask you again, who does Jesus want on his team? And the answer that we see in this, if you want to go ahead and put it on the screen as well, the answer that we see to this is that Jesus wants you on his team. Because the gospel is meant for everyone. Everyone. We're not so messed up and broken and awful to where Jesus doesn't want us. He does. We're also not too good. We're not, you know, so fine with life that, you know, well, we don't need Jesus. No, we do. And Jesus wants us on his team. I mean, we see in verse 9, he asks someone with literally the most hated profession in the world, hey, come be one of my apostles. Like, that's insane. And I mean, think, if he could ask Matthew that, why wouldn't he want you? You know? And we see in verses 12 and 13, he says that I, a doctor is not there for the healthy. He's there for the sick. And so we are not so broken and messed up to where Jesus doesn't want us. Jesus wants us to be on his team, and he wants to heal us, and he wants to help us. He wants to help all of us. He, he wants to take you and all of your flaws and all of the messed up things you've done, and he just wants to embrace you and heal you, and he wants to put you on his team, and he wants you to be the one who goes out and shares his gospel to the nations, who spreads it to everyone, and who fights the good fight, as Paul puts it. Yeah, you know, Jesus could have picked people who were super legalistic at the time or who were already really familiar with God and with the Moses law and all of that stuff, but he didn't. I mean, he did sometimes. We see Paul. Paul was super awesome. But no, he just picked the average person. He picked the broken person. And he gave them a chance to just echo the beauty of the gospel. That's really freaking cool, in my opinion. <laughs> and what's cool, is too, is like, there's not just this, like, one select group of people like, oh, congratulations, you're in the in crowd with Jesus. Like, Jesus wants literally everyone, each and every one of you. And, yeah, it's so awesome that we have this college group where every week we get to come together and worship God and love him and pour into each other and have this awesome community. But who are we to keep that to ourselves? You know, the, the gospel isn't just meant for me, for Karina, for Zach, for Stephen, for Deb, for Matt, for, you know, just a few people in here. It's meant for everyone. And now, I'm also not saying that, you know, it's, it's bad if you were, say, like, born and raised a Christian, all that. Like, no, that's freaking awesome. And I think something that we see 
in this passage with Matthew that is so cool is that all of our stories have power. Jesus wanted to pick people of all different walks of life, of all different backgrounds, of all different experiences to be able to spread his message. Because by doing that, by picking all of these different people to be on his team, each and every one of us in our own way are able to just let in our, you know, broken, fallen, awful nature, the gospel is able to shine so much brighter. Jesus went after the lowest of the low in society and showed them his grace, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his wisdom. And then what's so cool is then once, you know, they're on his team, he then takes their voice and he just uses it as like this broadcast system to spread to all realms of the earth his beautiful, everlasting, and universal gospel. I think there's actually a really cool example of this in society today that we see, um, of Jesus taking someone who is a very unlikely person and using them to spread the gospel. So, show of hands, how many people have listened to the new Kanye album? <laughs> Real quick, Salah is the best song on there. It deserves more respect. I will fight anyone who says otherwise. Uh, <laughs> square up, Deb. <laughs> um, no, but for real. So, I mean, Kanye West, he has been a big figure in pop culture for most of our lives. I mean, he's been one of the biggest musicians, but... He also definitely has not necessarily been known for the most uh, morally upright lyrics or behavior. Uh, it, yeah, he's honestly been a mess if we're just calling a spade a spade. Um, and so I was definitely one of those people in the weeks and months leading up to him releasing you know, this first big gospel album. I was definitely one of those people who was like, I don't know about this. I don't know you know, where his heart really is. I don't know how much Jesus is really going to be in this. Um, but that skepticism definitely fueled my curiosity. And so you betcha that I listened to that album the second that it dropped. Um, and honestly, when I listened to it, I was shocked. In a really good way. That album, honestly, talked about the gospel and his salvation and who God is and what God can do in people more than, honestly, I've heard any rapper, Christian or non-Christian, talk about in a while. You know, on the flip side, I feel like you have NF who, yeah, he gets more and more popular with each album he releases, but he also mentions God less and less, which is not the best trajectory to go on in my opinion, but that's a different conversation. And then I thought it was even cooler when started listening to different uh, like interviews and stuff that he was doing after releasing the album and uh, hearing him talk about how during the album, you know, people working on the album weren't allowed to engage in premarital sex. People that were normally featured pretty heavily on his albums that were big singers at the time 
weren't allowed to be featured on the album unless they could produce a verse that had no swearing, was glorifying to God, didn't promote sinful things, all of that. And he talked about how his, you know, coming to know Christ was so powerful and moved him so much that he didn't want this album to be tainted by earthly things, and he wanted it to be a reflection of the gospel. And it honestly made me really upset when I saw a bunch of Christians starting to come after him and attack him and say, oh, this is fake, your salvation isn't real, like these lyrics are fake, you're just doing this for attention, all of that, because, you know, looking in this verse in Matthew, uh, who are we to judge? We don't know his heart. That's between him and God. But what's really so bad about one of the biggest artists in the world spreading the gospel to millions of people who would otherwise probably never hear it? And so I think in this passage and in this example, we see that Jesus can use anyone, and Jesus wants everyone on his team. And that can even include Kanye West, of all people. <laughs> so, enough about Kanye. Um, so, thinking about this and thinking about who does Jesus want on his team and Jesus wanting us on his team, uh, what does this look like for us moving forward? And so... Uh, Sometimes when you read scripture, I think it's really easy to be like, oh gosh, what is this? This is so dense. I don't understand this language. How do I apply this? What does this even mean? But sometimes you read scripture and it's like, is it really that simple? Is it really that straightforward? And I think this is an example of one of those passages. And so the application for it's uh, pretty clear. So I'm just going to address kind of two separate groups of people tonight. The first group of people I want to address are the people who don't know Christ. And so my challenge to you tonight is this. Join Jesus' team. It, you have not done so many things wrong or so many things right to where you can't join. You're not so messed up or broken that you can't be on Jesus' team. Jesus wants you in all of your flaws, and all of your, you know, things that you've done wrong, and all the things you've done right. He doesn't care. He just wants you, and he wants you to love him the way he loves you. And so, again, my challenge to you is, if you don't know Christ, get to know him. Because joining Jesus' team means an eternity spent with the creator of the universe. Joining Jesus' team means eternal victory. I don't know about you. I like to win. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> and so if you have any questions about that at all, any questions about what it looks like to know Christ, to join Jesus' team, please feel free after this to come find me or Brandon or Zach or Julia or Deborah or Becca or Jonathan or your connect group leader and talk to us. And we would love to walk through with you what that looks like, what that means, 
And so now, the other group of people that I want to address are the Christians in the group, the people who already know Christ. And so my challenge to you tonight is this. Stop thinking that once you're saved, that it ends there. Like, oh yeah, I know Christ, I'm good, the end. There's so much more to it than that. So much more. It doesn't end there. And so we need to stop living in our comfort zones. And we need to stop just at, you know, all church events, just only talking to our little group of friends and the few people we know. And we need to stop when we're volunteering at things, only talking to our fellow volunteers rather than talking to the people that we're serving. And we need to stop being so inwardly focused. And we need to stop living in our comfort zone when it comes to having that relationship with Christ. Because I think if there's anything that we see from this passage in Matthew and what its implications are, it's that the Bible is supposed to, and the gospel is supposed to radiate out. It's outward focused. It's not inward focused. And the gospel is supposed to make us uncomfortable. It's supposed to push us. It's supposed to make us want to abandon all of our earthly ways and adopt new Christ-like ways. And that is not easy to do. But we need to do it. And we need to stop being so comfortable in our little groups, in our little bubbles, in our little routines. And we need to push ourselves. And we need to reach all the nations. And we need to show people that Jesus wants them on his team. And so, as we wrap up, ask you again, who does Jesus want on his team? And again, the answer I say is that Jesus wants you on his team because the gospel is meant for everyone. Amidst all your flaws, amidst all of your brokenness, amidst all of that, Jesus doesn't care. He's a doctor for the sick, and we're all sick, and he wants to heal us. So let's let him, and let's just be a part of his team, and then let's go all out and do everything that we can for it. And let's acknowledge that once we're on Jesus' team, let's try and be the best that we can be. Because he chose us to be on his team. Like he, he died and resurrected so we could be on his team. We should make him proud for doing that for us. We should make him happy that he made that decision for us. And we should make him glad that he picked us to be on his team. Jesus picked people of all walks of life, of all backgrounds, of all cultures, of all nations to be on his team so that way we could all share the most beautiful story of redemption ever told. And so, with that, I say that Jesus loves the 99. Jesus is happy with your part of the 99. But Jesus also wants the one. And that one is you. Would y'all pray with me? Dear God, thank you for 
just everything. I know that's such a broad statement, but you literally have done and have thought of everything. You have planned out every detail, and you care and love about each and every one of us so deeply, so intensely, so powerfully, so beautifully. I mean, you sent your son to die for us and to die for our sins so that way we could be with you forever and have that restored relationship with you. So just thank you for that, God, and thank you for that love and that mercy and that grace. And Lord, I pray tonight that if anyone is, you know, kind of teetering on the edge of, oh, I don't know, you know, do I join, do I join Team Jesus, do I not? I hope that you'd show them the, the grace and the love and the forgiveness and how beautiful making that decision is and saying yes to that is. And I pray that for all of us that do know you, Lord, that you just convict us to be you know, the best teammates that we can be and push us to do the best that we can and do the, what you've called us to and that we step outside of our comfort zones and that we let the gospel radiate out. Lord, just thank you for being you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK. 